Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, inside the film room, it's the coach, Corey Burton. Oh, you know it, man. We're in game week officially, so, uh, you know, I'm pumped. Uh, so, ready to get another show here. Uh, two, of these, two of these three conferences really fire me up in the group of five, um, even more so than the Mountain West. And... Uh, an American. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, especially getting into the Sun Belt here. And uh, let's, let's have another great show. All right. Well, with the, finally, the third amigo in the second city, a man who, who although he lives in Chicago, wishes, probably wishes he was in Des Moines for the past week for the Iowa State Fair. It's our good friend and intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, there's something about deep fried Twinkies, you know, you think you can make them at home, but they're just not the same. I know. Uh, surprised you missed this year. Usually, uh, make it out there. Yeah, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> All good. Well, today we are taking a look at two more of the. That was not meant to be cryptic, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so it goes. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the uh, two more of the Group of Five conferences, starting with Conference USA. So, like we've been uh, doing Cusa. a lot of times. What's that? CUSA. CUSA. Um, so what we've been doing is uh, we're going to go around. And uh, so, Josh, you know, you think there's a lot of changes going on Conference USA this year. So where do you want to where do you want to take us take us to start? Uh, how about we start out east? Because I think this is a really stacked division. Does that sound good to you guys? Works for me. All right. Well, uh, I've got Florida Atlantic finishing last. And I just don't really trust a team with a new offensive coordinator. They have a redshirt freshman quarterback. And... I mean, they've had some turnover on defense. I just don't see the Owls being very competitive. Old Dominion I have next, uh, and they're another team. I don't get what they're doing. They had a wide receiver turn into their quarterback, David Washington, and his athleticism really had them have a decent year offensively, but now they're changing teams. That doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, Everyone from here on up has aspects that I really like, and Charlotte I picked in the last part. Uh, they have a Miami transfer um, who was a pretty popular prep back in the day with Kevin Olsen leading things. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, They have an underrated defense, but just a tick below everyone else. Next I have Florida international and they're coached by Ron Turner, who is kind of an unheralded offensive mind. And they've got a lot of skill positions. Uh, I've got Alex Gardner, a running back, Thomas Owens at wide receiver. So there's some pieces for him to work with. Uh, but they've got defensive questions. My uh, third-place finisher is Middle Tennessee State. I don't want to step on uh, coach's toes, so I'll just leave it with I love Rick Soxdale. I think he's a great coach, and getting previous offensive coordinator Tony Franklin back in the fold is very intriguing. Uh, my second-place team is your team, Professor, so I won't step on your toes about Western Kentucky. They have an intriguing uh, transfer to talk about, which I'm sure you will. 
Um, for me, the difference makers are schedule. They have uh, road trips to Tech, Marshall, and Middle Tennessee. So that seems like a difference maker preventing them. And that just leaves Marshall, who I am going to uh, do a little bit of a deep preview on. And it all starts with the head man, Doc Holliday. He's 33-8 and eight overall, 20-4 and four in league with three straight bull wins over his last three years. He is one of the premier group of five conference coaches. In fact, I would say this program is one of the premier group of five teams outside the stacked Mountain West and American. Uh, Chase Litton did a fantastic job replacing a guy that I thought was kind of a fringe Heisman candidate, Rakeem Cato, last year under center. He's back, so that's nice to have. Clint Van Horn, he's arguably the best offensive lineman in the league. He was granted an extra year of eligibility to get injuries, and so that's just like an embarrassment of riches that are, are coming back to them. Uh, Chuck Heater has the defense humming. They gave up just 23 points per game a year ago, and the last three – or they, excuse me, I messed that setup. They gave up just 23 points per game over the last three seasons and dipped down to a small 17.8 a year ago. They had a lot of turnover there, but he's a great coordinator. And what they do have back is really intriguing. Gary Thompson and Ryan B, really good defensive linemen. And they brought in some transfers that are going to be interesting, led by uh, Devontae Durant. Or, excuse me, Devon Durant. Butchered that name. Uh, as the linebacker, a few other pieces, one from Virginia Tech and on down the line. So, yeah, Marshall, <laughs> Marshall stacked. And not only just in their league, but what I'm really curious about is I bought a ton of stock in Pittsburgh. They have a road trip up to the Steel City, and they host Louisville. That's two great cracks for Marshall to get a marquee win, not just for their program, but to really show that Conference USA is nipping up the heels of the Mountain West and the American. All right. All right, indeed. Coach, how do you feel about the East? Well, here's how I feel about the East. I'm – I'm going to say Western Kentucky is going to be uh, behind that veteran line and big play guys at skill position. You know, their offense is always clicking on all cylinders. Um, and then just, you know, the consistency deal. Um, MTSU team I'm going to get to here in just a second. Um, Stock still comes back, um, and they were the most productive offenses. And, of course, they get new offensive coordinator. Uh, Tony Franklin replaces actually my cousin who left for Arkansas State, which we'll get to when we uh, preview the Sun Belt. So I got Middle Tennessee coming in second, um, and that's going to be determined on November 12th. Marshall, uh, Chase Litton, of course, operating. Anytime you have a veteran offensive line, lots of guys coming back, um, it's generally pretty pretty smooth things. Uh, And notice I'm talking about all offense here. Um, Then you have FIU with Ron Turner. Um, You know, always going to be well coached here. they're going to be kind of in the middle of the pack, uh, break here, break here, break here, there, you know, maybe, you know, get a little bit of luck on their side. Maybe they can uh, contend. Then I got FAU. Um, then I got Old Dominion and Charlotte uh, are, are the next ones. Uh, Charlotte's returning all but three starters on defense, um, you know, and, and that's going to be kind of the uh, centerpiece of their team. Unfortunately, um, everybody else is better as of, at this point. And, uh, it's just because they're new to the conference and new to Division One. So um, if they keep recruiting the way they are and they keep playing uh, and keep competing, they'll they'll get up there in the race. But uh, that's how I see the East. I got Western, 
Middle Tennessee, Marshall, FIU, FAU, Old Dominion, and Charlotte. And uh, now I'm going to jump in. And you guys want to know more about Middle Tennessee, right? Obviously, of course. Yeah, Blue Raider Nation. I was just down there at uh, I was just down there at Johnny Red Floyd Stadium last night, actually, not to see the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders, to see the Oakland Patriots and LSU commit Jacoby Steven hang 45 on Jackson Northside. Um, on a side note, but uh, they uh, man, they they have a lot of weapons here. You know, Tony Franklin comes into a great situation, uh, returning starters. Um, all over the place. You got six on offense, five on defense, and plus your punter. Um, you know, the, the, the main piece of that is Brent Stockstill. Um, then you have receivers Richie James and Trey, Terry, not Trey, Terry Pettis. And then you have three offensive linemen. Basically, your whole right side plus your center is coming back. Um, you have a, a transfer from Ole Miss that's going to be stepping in, Itavius Mathers. Um, he's going to be. He's not a returning starter, but he does have some experience, and he, he's going to add some. He's going to add some pop to that offense as well. Um, you know, Richie James. I mentioned he was first time All Conference USA. Uh, he was caught 108 passes for 1,346 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, and then his playing partner Terry Pettis. It was uh, you know six five two forty. Anytime you have a target that big, you know you can look to in, in crunch time situations and. You know, he'll go and uh, he'll go and make a big catch here. He, he was 29 for 6-12 um, as a career year. So, uh, look, look for some big-time plays with these, uh, with these receivers. Defense, you know, again, they return three starters up front, and uh, they return starters at corner with Jeremy Kutcher and Mike Minter. And, and, but, uh, you know, what I worry about with this defense, guys, is, is, is the linebacking core. And we talked about it with Michigan – being a concern and with Michigan state being a strength. So if you have a great linebacking core, I think that you can have a great successful season, but you know, they're going to need to to bolster that linebacking core and try to find some answers there um, as they look to replace all three um, starters at that position. They run a four, three scheme, Um, but they have uh, Shaquille Huff, Steven Rhodes and Chris Hale are going to try to make life easier for those backers. Um, Of course, Michael Minter and Jeremy Cutter, are going to lock down at cornerback positions, and, re- and they are replacing both safeties. So, um, going to be going to be a, a, a fun year for the for the Blue Raiders. I don't know if they have enough firepower to get to uh, to get a hold of Western Kentucky, Matt, and you'll tell me why. Um, but I think that's going to be an intriguing game on November twelfth at not November twelfth. I'm sorry, um, it's going to be October fifteenth. They host Western Kentucky, so they, they have the advantage in their favor. I don't know why. I was thinking November 12th at Marshall um, as, as an important game. I mean, it's going to be, but not as important as the Western game. So, um, But if you look at their schedule, they open up with Alabama A&M, then they're at Vanderbilt, at Bowling Green, home against Louisiana Tech, at North Texas, home against Western Kentucky. They're at Missouri, so two, two SEC games for, uh, for the Blue Raiders. And they're at, at FIU. They're home against uh, Texas San Antonio. Then they're at Marshall, at Charlotte, and they end the season with a home matchup against Florida Atlantic. So uh, they're coming They're coming off a Bahamas Bowl loss to Western Michigan a year ago. Uh, look for the Blue Raiders to do to do big things behind Brent Stockstill, who's going to be looking to buy for the uh, conference player of the conference offensive player of the year. 
All right. Well, um, I'll guess I'll give my predictions first in reverse order. I think Charlotte's going to sort of bring up the rear of the conference. Corey mentioned, you know, they got a lot of guys returning on their defense, but it's not like their defense was that great to begin with. So that doesn't really make me that excited. Old Dominion uh, coming in six uh, with the two Florida schools in fourth and fifth FIU five right behind Florida Atlantic. Um, Marshall that Josh talked about, um, I think they're going to finish up third in the division. Although I really do like, uh, especially their offensive line this year. I'm a big fan of their offensive line coach, um, Alex Mirabal. He's a sort of real tough nose, no nonsense kind of guy. And I think his personality is really reflected in that Marshall offensive line. I have uh, this one. I'm going to take a look at a little bit more. Western Kentucky coming in second behind coaches, Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. Um, so I think that one of the more interesting. Like your pick there, Matt. What's that? So I like your pick there. Oh, well, thank you. Well, um, I think that West Kentucky is one of the more intriguing storylines, especially in this conference this year, because they have to replace uh, Brandon Doty, who we all know set a ton of records uh, during his time as a Hilltopper. Last two years, he had over 10,000 yards and 97 touchdowns through the air, um, which are ridiculous numbers. So the big question on campus, obviously, is who's going to replace Doty? And it looks like it's going to be transfer Mike White, who was uh, originally at South Florida, coming out of high school. He was, you know, a solid three-star prospect um big kid you know 6'5 210 215 pounds and he's uh, sort of your real classic pro style quarterback uh is gonna you know sit there in the pocket and try to deliver he's not gonna really be a big threat with his feet he's not uh he's not exactly a deer out there but um he can you know move around a little bit make a make some room for himself in the passing game um luckily for him they bring back taiwan taylor who was one of the best wide receivers in the country he was all illegal motion first team last year uh because he can just do it all um you know he only started five games and last year and even with that he was one of the leading uh receivers in the country in terms of yards yards per catch um and touchdowns so you know they'll have to be uh you know, uh, some battle behind him for sure to see who else is going to pass the ball. Because you know one thing that Coach um, Jeff Brom loves to do is, uh, you know, sling the ball around the yard. And they're definitely going to do that. Although um, I think that, you know, one of the strengths of this team, especially on offense, might not necessarily be the passing game, which, you know, we soon look at the yards. But they have um, a, you know, they bring all their offensive linemen back. And they were a really, really good uh, line considering how much they passed last year, they're only um, they gave up the 14th fewest sacks in the country, um, and they also had uh, a couple of good running backs coming back: DeAndre Furby and Anthony Wales. Uh, those two guys, uh, you know, ran the ball for you know 17, 1800 yards last year and over 20 touchdowns. The problem here, though, with the Hilltoppers is going to be on defense. Um, they weren't a great unit a year ago, but they were way better than they were in 2014 when they were probably the worst in the country. You know, they were sort of, you know, a little bit below middle of the road defense last year, but they lost. One of the reasons that they were so good was because they were a very senior laden team and they graduated seven guys off that defense. So they're going to have a lot of holes to fill, especially on the defensive line and in the secondary. Uh, they need three of their, they run a four, three and they need to replace, uh, three of those four guys, um, on the defensive line and to 
go along with Derek Overstreet, who's the only returning starter. Um, you know, they've got some good, solid linebackers out there. Um, but, you know, in a 4-3, and especially when they run their nickel, to 4-2 nickel, so they're not really having a lot of linebackers out there on the field at once, usually in two or three. Um, you know, they're not going to be using playing to that strength of their team. But they also really need to uh, find some new cornerbacks because both of theirs graduated from last year. So um, I think that because of the schedule that they have, which is one of the tougher schedules in the conference, especially when you look at, um, you know, some of the best teams are playing. They're playing at Middle Tennessee State and at Marshall and at Louisiana Tech. Those are all going to be, you know, top-tier teams in this conference. And because all those games are on the road, you know, you can't expect them to win them all out. So I think that I see them going second in the division, even though I think they're the most talented team. So um, let's move along to the West now from there. So, uh, Josh, here in uh, Conference USA West, I know that uh, you're really excited about uh, Louisiana Tech. Yeah, that's the team I'm going to preview. I'm curious about them for uh, kind of what I talked about with Navy, and that's uh, that's all I'll tease for right now. I have that Bulldog team finishing third. Uh, but bringing up the rear, I got North Texas. They have a new coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and their defense gave up 41 points per game a year ago. They have possibly the worst offensive league in the or the worst offensive line in the entire league. That's going to result in a rough season. But Seth Luttrell knows offense, and they got a three-star wide receiver coming in in T. Gorey. So that's going to be intriguing if if they can get things sorted on offense sooner rather than later and then improve. Uh, next to last, I have Rice. Uh, David Aleph has done a phenomenal job there, but their best player, their quarterback, uh, graduated from a team that only went five and seven a year ago. Defense looks like they have a lot of holes in it, but um, going to be a disappointing season, I think, for the Owls. I got San Antonio at fourth, and this was a hard team for me to really handicap and see where they would finish because I don't love the hiring of Frank Wilson. He has no coaching experience or coordinating experience, but he inherits so many nice pieces, like a thousand yard back in Jarvian Williams, a slew of wide receiver, uh, FCS transfer. Jared Johnson was awesome at Sam Houston state. Now he'll be throwing the ball around. So there's some pieces about the road runners that are intriguing, but the defense and such a green head coach makes me a little worried. I mentioned Tech at third. That puts UTEP at second, and Professor will have a lot more about the minors, but personally I like the hiring of Brett Pease on offense as offensive coordinator, and Aaron Jones is a, a really nice back to have. Uh, defense was also a little underrated, um, so it, it'll be curious to see what they can do. They have that home date with Southern Miss to open league play. It'd be a great way to make an opening statement. And why? Well, I've got them winning the West. Coach has the deeper out on the Golden Eagles, but, uh, you know, a new head coach doesn't really worry that worry me that much with Nick Mullins. So uh, I'm expecting Southern Miss to keep things rolling in Hattiesburg. So let's circle back to that tech team. Why do I want to talk about them? Comes out of their head coach, and I'm curious if we can get back aboard the Skip Holtz train. I realize his UCF run was terrible, but he was nine games over 500 and finished 17 and seven in his final two years at Connecticut. He was nine games over 500 and ended with back-to-back nine-win seasons at East Carolina. 
And look out, he's won nine games the last two years at Louisiana Tech. So he's got things rolling. He feels like he's a consistent winner, maybe a little bit over his head at a bigger program, a lot of expectations and all that recruited at South Florida, but he seems to really know how to get things going. And what I'm curious about is if this really good wide receiver group and a nice offensive line anchored by the outstanding center Kirby Wixon, who I think might be the best down lineman in the league, uh, I'm curious if that can help them ease the question mark of a new quarterback. They have questions at running back. Oh, and they have a new offensive coordinator. So that's that's going to be interesting to get all that wrinkled out. They also have eight new starters on defense, including trying to find someone to replace first-round NFL pick Vernon Butler. So those those are a lot of doubts. That's why I'm not picking Tech to win the division. But I've mentioned Navy, and that's why I, I chose Louisiana Tech, because Tech and Navy both have so many new faces that it's a really unique test of a coach's capability. Was was Tech good the last two years and winning nine games each of the last two seasons because they had Power 5 transfers at quarterback shelling Conference USA competition? Or is Holtz a plug-and-play coach where he's going to reload with whatever around a sound scheme? So it's this one very interesting, and that's why I'm curious what Tech does. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting year in the West. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get to my standings here in just a minute. But um, is it odd that when you said the Golden Eagles, I was confused as to who you were talking about because you didn't call them the Mustard Buzzards? Oh, that's right. I forgot. That's that's my bad. That's a faux pas right there. Yeah, that's that's a little odd, I think. But um, I don't know if that's odd for me or what. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna dive in here to the uh, to the Southern Miss Golden Eagles um, out of Hattiesburg. They have new new head coach Jay Hobson coming in. Um, he comes in with a 32 and 17 record over three years. This would be his first at Southern Miss. Uh, he's he's walking into a great situation here. Anytime you have a a veteran quarterback, especially a senior quarterback, coming back to lead your offense that returns six starters overall. Um, that's always a good uh, a good fit for you. Um, he gets his running back Edo Smith back, who's a junior. He gets uh, DJ Thompson back at wide receiver, and he returns his uh, interior lineman, the center, and both guards, Cameron Tom, the center, Devin Ferrier, the right guard, and Brandon Farmer, the left guard. So um, it's going to be. It's going to be a dynamic offense, I think, and you know it, it's it's uh, he's a four, the quarterback Nick Mullins is a four year starter. Um, he was actually Conference USA Player of the Year offensively um, a year ago. Ito Smith, eighteen hundred seventy six all purpose yards and thirteen touchdowns. Um, ever since you know, and he returns. You know, he's been a three year starter at running back there. Um, DJ Thompson, 779 yards on six touchdowns. Um, they lose Mike Thomas and, and Casey Martin. Isaiah Jones, Shannon Smith, and Alan Zay Staggers become the newcomers. Um, those guys are going to fight for time alongside of DJ Thompson, but there's going to be plenty of passes to go around here with, with Nick Mullins. Um, he will find one of those guys will emerge there as well, um, especially as long as Nick Mullins has time to throw, and he should be on that veteran offensive line. Uh, let's take a look at the defense here. Um, you know, the, the defense under uh, under coordinator Dave Dugan made a lot of progress. You know, when uh, when Ellis Johnson was a head coach, it just seemed like everything was pitiful. Um, but uh, 
you know, he's, uh, you know, Dave Dugans is no longer there. Linebackers coach Tony Picurio is now the new defensive coordinator, so we'll see what kind of he brings. Hopefully, um, you know, with the linebackers coach, you'll see the linebackers position bolstered. Um, he's going to he's going to be multiple guys, and 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 I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. You guys can help me understand that, but he's going to go three three five and a four two five set um, in some games, just depending on what kind of offenses he's facing. Um, I'm kind of leery about that, and 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 that might be. That might be uh, the thing that gives Louisiana Tech the edge, um, although I don't think it will. But um, it, that could be the thing later on down the season that you look at and say, oh, there's where it was. Because they couldn't find a defensive identity. You know, when you're going a three-three-five and a four-two-five, both of those takes tremendous amount of time to perfect and be good at. And if, if, if you're flopping, flip-flopping back and, back and forth between those two schemes, it gets a little difficult to find your identity and, and make something happen. So um, I'm, I'm hoping, for their sake, they're gonna they're gonna settle on one of those schemes and just and just roll with it and make adjustments within that scheme and not have to flip flop back and forth. That's like going from triple option to uh, to spread week to week, depending on what defenses you're facing. It's just not it's not feasible. I mean, there's some print, there's some things you can do, slight adjustments you can make that would be similar, but it's a whole other mindset to go three, three, five um, uh, versus a four, two, five, because you can do so much coverage wise with the four, two, five, because you have your four down linemen to help and run. You have a six man box. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like you're, I feel like you're more versatile um, in the four, two, five with your coverages versus the three, three, five, which you're a little bit, you're a little bit stronger against the run, but you're kind of locked into a, just a hand, just a small handful of coverages. So, if you're if you're really diagnosing those two defenses, it's just kind of a give or take thing. So, um, but it certainly helps when you're returning uh, three of your four secondary members, cornerback, uh, and uh, two safeties. I should say three of your five secondary members, um, uh, a cornerback, and uh, two safeties, depending on how you're going to play it. Um, and then you're returning a lot of your defensive linemen. You're returning six on defense. Your your defensive end, your defensive tackle, and and, and linebacker Elijah Parker. Um, Elijah Parker is going to look to hopefully bolster that defense. Now we take a look at their schedule. Um, pretty tough way to open it at Kentucky, but for the most part, it, it's an easy go. They play Savannah State out of conference. They play uh, Troy out of conference, and then they play at LSU. Um, that one kind of snuck in there, but. Um, you know, other than their two SEC games, I, I think, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty easy go schedule-wise for them, and Nicky Mullins should pick that thing apart. So um, where do they fall in in the standings? And, Matt, I'll, I'll use this as my transition to, to throw the pass over here to you. Um, I still think they I still think they finish on top because I think they find a defensive identity. I think they settle on either the 3-3-5 or the 4-2-5. Uh, whichever one they settle on, uh, they need to perfect. Um, both are effective in their own way. Uh, then I like Louisiana Tech right there, nipping at their heels. Um, again, uh, as Josh said, they have a talented receiving core. Uh, and then uh, it, it always helps the transition for a new starter quarterback when, you, when your weapons around you are strong. Uh, then I like Rice with, uh, you know, with their new up-tempo scheme. I like UTEP, then uh, San, San Antonio. And then North Texas, uh, they have a brand new coaching staff, but I like what they're doing. But I, I just think they, 
I just think they are, are a year away again from competing. And, and it's not necessarily because of the staff they brought in. I just think that they were so far behind uh, when they made the change that, that it was, uh, you know, they bring in Seth Luttrell. And that's going to be an interesting, interesting deal to watch. They could do something this year. I just don't think they will. Um, but just, just watch out for them here um, as we move forward. So, Matt, um, I, feel like I, I feel like I previewed the mustard buzzer tier pretty, pretty, pretty well. Uh, um, you definitely did there, Coach. So, yeah. uh, so, so let, let's, let's dive into those miners. What do you say? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's time to dig down deep into the mines. But before we get there, um, I've got, uh, in reverse order, I've got, uh, for, the, for the West, I've got uh, UTSA at the bottom, followed by North Texas. And Rice, uh, the team I am going to be looking at, uh, UTEP, I've got coming in third. So that means all four Texas teams are the worst four teams in the division. I don't, I mean, that's just a coincidence, obviously, but I think it's just a sort of a funny one. Uh, Louisiana Tech second, and then your mustard buzzards, I think, are sort of, no, I wouldn't say head and shoulders above the rest of the competition, but I think they're definitely a solid step above everyone else. But um, the team I'm actually most interested in is UTEP because what UTEP did this year um, in the offseason is they got rid of both their offensive and defensive coordinators, you know, bringing in two new guys. And I would argue that both hires are a little bit questionable. Um, uh, starting with on offense, they brought in Brent Pease. And Brent Pease was, uh, for, the last, uh, for the last two seasons, was at the University of Washington as the wide receivers coach. And I don't know if any of you guys watched any Washington football over the past few years. Their wide receivers were terrible. Um, and they dropped balls everywhere. So I don't really know how, I, how good I would feel if I were uh, living out in El Paso about the offensive coordinator hire. Um, you know, but, you know, as far as the offense itself goes – uh, Coach Sean Kugler is definitely a run-first guy, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be how much tension there's going to be t- between Kugler and Pease uh, in terms of uh, overall scheme and play calling. But uh, they have, first thing they have to do is decide on a quarterback. And uh, if I were to, if I were to, if I were a betting man, I would put my money on Fresno State grad transfer Zach Greenlee to come in and be the starter, but. Whoever they decide on is definitely going to have a uh, you know a very motivated Aaron Jones in the running uh, in the backfield behind him because Jones was last year a uh, had a lot of hype around him you know a lot of people were saying he was going to be you know all conference type of selection then he got injured in the second game of the year and uh, after that sort of obviously his season was over and then he and then sort of the team sort of spiraled down along with him. And, you know, they've got a couple of other skilled position guys coming back, but there's also a lot of questions at the same time along the offensive line. Uh, They're going to have at least three new starters, perhaps even four, but people are very excited about Jared Brooks uh, to come in and be the uh, left tackle. Um, He's only a sophomore, but he has the frame of someone who could be um, sort of the next big thing, thing, literally and figuratively, uh, at 6'5", 330. So look for him to uh, turn some heads uh, on on the line this year. Um, as questionable as the defensive, I'm uh, oh, sorry, the offensive coordinator of uh, hiring of Brett Pease was, I'm even more concerned about the hiring of Tom Mason. Uh, pop quiz. Does anyone, does anyone know Minnesota. where? Tom, <laughs> no, that's Glenn Mason. Um, oh. Does anyone know where Tom Mason came from? 
The, uh, the answer is he was last year's Hawaii defensive coordinator. And how did Hawaii finish last year in overall defense? Not great. 105th in the nation in scoring defense, uh, 110th in uh, overall defense. So that's the kind of guy I want leading my guys. No. Uh-huh. So I, I'm not very I, – I, I don't know. And they're also going to be – they've been running a 4 2 the last few years, but they're moving to a 3-4 under Mason. Um, but, you know, so even though they've got eight returning starters, a lot of them are going to be in very different roles than they, than they had before. So it's almost like returning no starters when you're going from that much of a dramatic scheme shift. So, uh, you know, they've got some veteran guys, especially in the secondary. But, you know, I, I really have my doubts as to whether either of these new coordinators are the, you know, are the way to go. So um, I guess since I picked them second, I'll just play devil's advocate real quick and just say, I, you know, he's, you can say what you want about his Washington tenure, but I mean, he was at Boise State from 06 to 11, working as the wide receiver, associate head coach and offensive coordinator by the time he left. So I, I don't know if he's as bad a hire as you're making it out to be. And for that defense, I mean, I don't love the hire either, but they were fourth in the league last year, and they showed that they have some decent pieces. So I'm hoping that the, it's more the kids out on the field and the coach messing it up. But, um, you know, I hate to sound like Daniel Smith right there. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I can see the um, – you know, I, I can see sort of your, your point there, but I would, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more hesitant to think about it that way. It's almost like they are one of those classic high ceiling, low basement teams. Yeah, I, I think so. And I quite, I mean, I have them, I sort of split the difference and I think they're going to finish off third in the division. But, um, but yeah, so let's go with a couple of superlatives. So, Josh, uh, who do you feel like is going to be overall conference champ? Well, I'm buying Marshall stock. I have them winning over Southern Miss. However, the Offensive Player of the Year, I'm going back to Hattiesburg with Nick Mullins, their quarterback. Uh, My Defensive Player of the Year, I was really kind of looking around, and I I went with that transfer that I mentioned earlier, uh, Devin Durant. And I know he left Arizona State with a lot of legal trouble, but that was over a year ago. He hasn't been arrested since... By all accounts, he, he really wants to finish his, the last two years of his collegiate career strong. And Marshall has, you know, they, they had a pretty good wide receiver who left under questionable circumstances. So maybe there's something about being in a small town in West Virginia that's good for guys that burned a little bit too much in the, the spotlight. And so that's why I went with him because he's really, really talented if he can stay clean. Uh, my coach of the year is Doc Holliday from Marshall. And my rookie of the year is actually a newcomer of the year. And that's because I have a feeling Mike White down there at Western Kentucky is going to throw for a million yards. So sounds like a pretty safe bet for me. My first fired, I'm not sure anyone is going to get fired from this league, but Charlie Partridge has coached two years at Florida Atlantic and he's gone three and nine each of the last two years. Feels like he might need to pick it up this year, but I just don't think that smaller schools have that quick a trigger. All right, coach. 
Well, um, my uh, my champion, I'm, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky edging Southern Miss in a barn burner, um, and that's no, and that's not due to our my offensive player of the year, Nick Mullins, the quarterback from Southern Miss, who uh, who's going to return to uh, defend his crown. Uh, I think defensive player of the year is going to be cornerback Jeremy Jeremy Cutterer from uh, from Middle Tennessee State University. He's the top NFL talent. Um, he had two block kicks, three pass breakups um, a year ago, so I think he's going to do uh, much of the same. Uh, my rookie of the year is going to be wide receiver Shannon Smith because he's going to reap all the benefits from Nick Mullins being the uh, offensive player of the year. He's going to be that guy that kind of steps in and fills that void at the wide receiver position for Southern Miss. Coach of the year, um, newcomer Jay Hobson. Uh, he's going to win the division, so obviously that would uh, – that would mean that he's going to be coach of the year uh, for the Conference USA. And first coach fired, I agree with Josh. I don't think anyone's leaving um, involuntarily. I think if anyone leaves, uh, they're getting a, they're getting an upgrade, but I don't think anyone's going to get fired. All right. Well, um, I am uh, – Coach, I, I think that, you know, Rick Scott still squad is – going to be uh, the champs over the mustard buzzard this year i think it's going to be a you know a, a big year for them i wouldn't uh, hate that and because of that i've got stock still also uh winning coach of the year uh, i've got nick mullins at southern miss as the offensive player of the year and sack master trey hendrickson from florida atlantic winning the defensive player of the year uh i think the rookie of the year is going to be uh, florida atlantic's daniel parr uh as uh, you know i think he's going to win the job there at quarterback and really take over and as far as first fired is is concerned uh, I'm, I'm with Josh on this one. I really like Charlie Partridge as a guy, but I don't think feel like that program is really going in the right direction right now. So I'm going to go with Partridge as my first fired. So let's move on over now to the Sun Belt. And oh. it's, yeah, let's, uh, let's get belted. So, um, you know, Josh, you think there are sort of uh, two teams at the right at the top that are, you know, pretty much head and shoulders above the rest of the group. I do, I do, but uh, for the shape, for the sake of ratings, it's it's better to go bottom to top. So I will start down in the basement with the Warhawks of uh, Louisiana Monroe. Obviously, the wheels came off. Todd Berry got fired after a one and nine start. Overall, they went six and eighteen the last two years. So uh, <laughs> as much as we raved about uh, Matt Viator, his time at McNeese State, this is not going to be an easy rebuild. One of the things that makes it even harder is. Louisiana Lafayette, right in their own backyard, is one of the conference powerhouses. So if you're a Sunbelt talent from the state of Louisiana, so you're like a one- or two-star kid, why in the world would you go to Monroe when you can go to Lafayette? makes no sense. Uh, second to last, Troy. The Trojans were just 4-8 and eight a year ago. Uh, Neil Brown's a decent offensive coach, and Brandon Silvers is a solid quarterback. But uh, it really kind of – they still spun their wheels. They – had league games where they only produced 18, 16, 10, and 21 points. All four of those were losses. And I'm going to be honest, if you can only put up 16 on Idaho, how do you expect me to trust you? Uh, third from the bottom, I got Texas State. Uh, Dennis Franchione is doing the opposite of what I talked about with Holtz. He is going in the opposite way. Uh, he's got two league titles in his career, and they were back in 1999 and 2000 with TCU. Uh, worse, I found this article that had the 10 best players of uh, all the teams in the country into the season. 
And their write-up for the Bobcats was their number one player was their starting quarterback, Tyler Jones. And number six was Missouri grad transfer quarterback, Eddie Prince. So unless the Bobcats are doing a completely new style of football, I am not sure how two of your top six players being quarterbacks is a very good sign. Uh, entering the middle of the pack, I got New Mexico State. I'm talking about them more in depth in a second. I have Georgia State also right in the middle. Uh, I'm just a little concerned about not having Nick Arbuckle, who was an amazing quarterback, and him graduating. So I'm kind of holding my breath with them. I got South Alabama. The Jags were supposed to rebuild last year, but went five and seven. Joey Jones seems like he's got a pretty good track record. So they'll probably be competitive, but not cracking the the upper echelon. I got Idaho next. I'm also previewing them. So that gets me to the real true contenders. And my first one is uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Mark Hudspeth has a really good track record there. Elijah McGuire is one of the league's better running backs. They struggled at times on offense last year, and the defense was pitiful. That's why I don't have them cracking the top three, but Lafayette's still going to be competitive. Georgia Southern, I have picking third, and Coach will have way more about them. Uh, I picked them third, though, because they are kind of got the short end of the stick. There's not a full round robin, and there's no divisions and yet they have to play both Appalachian State and Arkansas State. So because of that harder schedule, I slid them down. And my co-champions, they don't play each other. It's Appalachian State and Arkansas State. I think both of them will go either 7-1 or 8-0. So it's kind of rare to call for a split league title, but I, I have it with the Sun Belt. Uh, for Appalachian State, it's really simple. They had the 11th best defense in the nation a year ago. Eric returned nine starters. They got a ton on offense. This is a really, really fun team to, to watch. Um, they have Old Dominion and Akron in the non-conference. Forget about that. I'm curious if this App State team can sting either Tennessee or Miami before they get to Sunbelt play. As for the Red Wolves, they have become the Ohio State of this conference. The title is either theirs or they're sniffing around it. They're so reliable. You have to love welcoming back four starters on that line. They had one of the better defenses in the league a year ago, and they welcome back eight starters. So those are my top two teams. Since this league's a little longer to run through, Matt, do you want me to do my uh, in-depth profiles, or should we? Yeah, go for it, man. All right. Well, uh, my first team is New Mexico State, and they have Larry Rose the third. I think he's the best running back in this league west of the Mississippi River. Uh, They had a very underrated offense a year ago. Their defense was an absolute train wreck, but a sneaky hire they had uh, from Matt's beloved Boston College program. They have Frank Spaziano now coaching the defense. He was mixed results as a head coach, but he seems like he's always known defense. And... I know the Aggies have a million questions regarding that defense, and it's, it's blind faith to just say Spaz will uh, will work it all out. But I'm cautiously optimistic with them. They have a underrated and competent offense, and I'm really curious about the hunger of this team. They know they have just two years left in the Sun Belt, and then they're going to be in no man's land as either an independent or scrabbly or something that might make them a scrappy club. We'll see. They won three in a row very late in the year, so maybe, just maybe, the Aggies have some some juice to them. Idaho, 
as you would expect with a uh, team coached by a Petrino. They know their offense. They finished 44th in the year in the entire nation last year. A quarterback, uh, Matt Lyon, he's back for some more. So Idaho should be a fun team to watch. They play in a dome, so weather's not, never going to be an issue for them. Expect them to be very, very pass-happy. The defense was a mess, so they'll be in a lot of track meets. But a lot like New Mexico State, they're on a ticking clock before they leave this league. But they should have an even bigger chip on their shoulder. They've already announced they're heading down to FCS, the first team in modern football to take that step to a smaller division from the highest echelon of football. I'm curious if that makes them hungry. And with that quarterback, uh, they could be a, a tough out for some teams because they will have a good offense. Curious to see how those kids respond to what has to be some disappointing news. You think you're going to be in in the top level of football and you find out that in two years you'll, you'll be in FCS. Okay. Well, all right. All right. Coach, how about you? How about you? How are you feeling about the belt? Well, the belt is one of my favorite group of five conferences. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to shake it out just like this because it has two of my home state teams in it. Um, but it's just a fun league to watch because it, it, it is like, it's like watching, uh, it's like watching two welterweights, uh, you know, the 135 pound uh, class boxers just wail on each other. Those are always exciting fights. So um, that that's kind of how I see the Sun Belt. So uh, going from bottom to top, I know this is odd, so brace yourself. Um, I'm always going uh, from the top down here. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Warhawks again. The wheels have fallen off, and uh, I don't know if they can find all the parts just yet. So they're <laughs> reattached. Um, it's going to be a rough go there. Uh, Texas State, uh, you know, they uh, – you know, hopefully they can uh, – Hopefully they can finish uh, middle of the pack, but you know what? They're not going to finish second to last. That's going to be the Troy Trojans. All right. Um, you know, they, uh, I think they need a, you know, they're a razor's edge from finishing middle of the pack or second to last. I think, uh, you know, they have to rely on a couple of things to break their way. They have to rely on some good luck. I just don't think that that's something you can be comfortable relying on. So I'm going to go with Troy there. Um, then, then, uh, then the Lobos of uh, Lobos. What am I? What am I talking about? Little Lobos. <laughs> my, my head is still uh, it's still in New Mexico. I'm gonna go to New Mexico State here uh, next with that. Uh, then South Alabama, then Idaho. Actually, South Alabama, then Texas State, then Idaho, then Louisiana, then Troy. Not Troy. I'm all over the place. I, I like. I made. If you saw, if you see my rankings list for the Sun Belt, it's got arrows and marks and stuff pointing in all different directions. It looks like a John John Madden telestrator. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so let me start over. Um, uh, where do you have Tough Acton to Nacton ranking in this league? Boom! Right at number one. Boom! Number one. That's where it is. Boom! Number one. Um, so I got uh, Louisiana Monroe eleven. I got Troy. At ten, I got New Mexico State, South Alabama, then I've got Texas State, Idaho, Louisiana. Bam, I'm back on track. Uh, then I got Georgia State coming in at fourth. Um, you know they're replacing their quarterback. Hopefully they can find an answer there. If not, then fourth is about the best they're going to do. Uh, then I have Appalachian State because um, uh, only because I think Georgia Southern has a lot of firepower on offense um, under new head coach Tyson Summers. 
and then of course the uh, the premier of the conference year in and year out those guys are just always on top and that's the Arkansas State Red Wolves and without further ado um, because I have the Red Wolves as my champions I'll dive right in uh, let's go ahead and preview those Red Wolves out of Jonesboro Arkansas um, they welcome in new offensive coordinator from Middle Tennessee State Buster Faulkner um, and they, they have Joe Cawthon over there, a defensive coordinator under head coach Blake Anderson, who has an overall record of 16 and 10 in two years at Arkansas State. Um, <clears throat> in the spring, uh, they had a uh, they had a three way battle at quarterback, which uh, which is interesting because you know they were looking for a starter and they were looking for somebody to kind of take over. So um, you know they're they're of course they're taking over Freddie Knighton Knighton's position. Um, so, yeah, sophomore James Tavery, who was 65 of 105 last year, um, he was the primary backup there. Um, and then Cameron Burse and former Oklahoma signee Justin Hansen as the top candidates. Um, then you have D.J. Pearson also in the mix for that quarterback race. It is not settled yet, um, but I think all bets are for the uh, 6'4", 220-pound sophomore Justice Hansen to kind of take that role. I have not talked to Buster um, since, so I don't know where they stand on their quarterback race, but um, whoever wins that is going to uh, is going to have the benefit of having six returning starters on offense, um, and and one of those returning starters is Dijon Paschal at wide receiver. Um, and when I talked to Buster earlier this summer, uh, I asked him what the main difference was, and he said speed. They have speed and speed and speed, and they have plenty of it. They have. You know, the, he said that the speed level, the speed difference was night and day coming over from uh, from Murfreesboro. So um, whoever takes that quarterback job will have weapons. Um, they look to uh, Johnson White and Warren Wan to step up um, to replace Michael Gordon, who had uh, who, who was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Um, you know, uh, TCU transfer Cameron Eccles-Looper is also going to be uh, – you know, he's going to be there. I guess he's going to be their top newcomer. Um, he comes over from TCU um, to, uh, to step in for, uh, for that wide receiving core. And then uh, he, he, here's the benefit for them, and here's the scary part for Arkansas State. They return all five offensive linemen, and anytime you can do that um, on a unit that was already, uh, already conference champions, um, that's, that's nasty. And, and all five of them are seniors, so they will, they will replace all five of these Cats next uh, next season. You look at defense, eight starters returned over there. Um, four of us received all-conference recognition. Um, you have Javon Roland-Jones, uh, linebacker Xavier Woodson-Luster, and the safety Cody Brown. Uh, I was thinking Cody Brown was left out of the hyphen, uh, the all-hyphen team, but, you know, uh, he, he still has a chance there. Um, they have uh, linebacker Kari Lane also um, getting uh, honorable mention uh, recognition on the all-conference team. So um, you look at their defense, they, they, they lose one starter from their front six. Uh, it's just it, this team's going to be nasty, you know. And, and, and to be honest, I, I, don't, I think everyone's kind of battling for second place with this group because they're such a veteran team. Now, next year this thing's going to be wide open, but this year I think it's going to be Arkansas State, and it's probably not even going to be close. So um, – they uh, an interesting date to circle on their schedule is uh, is the September 10th at Auburn. With Auburn struggling the way they are, they might give Auburn a go, and they might give Auburn all they can handle um, in that game. And they, they're also at Utah State the next week, so um, and then they're home against Toledo to open the season. So a very interesting start to the season with their non conference schedule. 
Um, some, some, some rather challenging games, but um, again, I think that they are uh, the class of the conference. Then, uh, then let's look over at the second, uh, who I have as my second place finishers, the Georgia Southern Eagles, um, replacing Jeff. Uh, they replaced Jeff Monken with Willie Fritz, and then Willie Fritz departs for Tulane, and they bring in Tyson Summers, who uh, who came over from Colorado State a year ago. Um, this is his first year uh, as a head coach anywhere, um, so he is uh, he's looking to establish his uh, his presence here at Georgia Southern. Um, Co-offensive coordinators Rance Gillespie and David Dean. Rance Gillespie was uh, former formerly of Valdosta High School, so uh, bringing in some uh, some notable uh, Georgia high school coaches in the mix there. Uh, they returned 12 starters overall, six on offense, five on defense. Um, some players to watch here, um, you know, some, some guys to keep a look at is quarterback Kevin Ellison. He comes back in the fold as a senior running back. Matt Burita also comes back in the mix. And then you have Miles Campbell uh, coming back. The and, and what's interesting about Miles Campbell is that he's only 5'6". He's 5'6", 175 pounds. Uh, he's a junior. Hopefully he's grown a little bit vertically. I just don't think he has, but uh, nonetheless, he is uh, he is a speedster wide receiver. He is a weapon. He is an absolute weapon. So, uh, want to talk about Matt Verita? Uh, Sixteen hundred yards and and seventeen touchdowns um, a year ago. Uh, gonna uh, anytime you get that back in the mix, you're you're, you're going to be uh, a contender there. They replace their left tackle Jeremiah Colbreth, center Annie Kwan, and right guard Tommy Boynton. Um, again. Uh, you know, you, you look at that and, and you see all the returning experience they have, the weapons that they have on offense. You, you, you can only, you can't help but to, uh, but to be excited about what, what they bring to the table. But, you know, of course, uh, depth can be an issue as well in the offensive line. Uh, they return those three starters, but they don't have a whole lot behind them. And that's kind of what worries me. And that's kind of going to be kind of the difference. That's going to be kind of the challenge that they face when they go, when they play Appalachian State. Now, the reason why I got them, Finishing above Appalachia State is because by October 27th, I expect that depth to be to be solidified a little bit. You'll see some guys kind of step into some roles. I think Tyson Summers is a is a heck of a coach. We'll see what he's got as a head coach. But um, they have a October 15th date at Georgia Tech. That'll be an interesting one as well. Um, you know, they uh, of course defensively they uh, they were good last year, um, and they return. They returned just five starters, but some of the new guys that are coming in are expected to come in, and uh, they've got experience. They're not necessarily uh, – they're not coming in completely fresh, but this will be the first time they've started uh, the six guys that are coming in. So uh, going to be an uh, interesting go there on, on defense. But uh, they're entering their third year in the Sun Belt Conference, and they've already got to the top of the league. So that kind of tells you what kind of program they had coming in and what kind of expectations they have uh, moving forward. So – um, again, they, they should, uh, they should be, uh, top contenders here in the uh, Sun Belt. but if Arkansas yes. state wasn't so loaded, then, you know, I, I would, I would say Georgia Southern has a legitimate shot, but right now I think they, they I think they finished second. All right. Well, you know, I, I also think that they're going to finish second coach, but, um, I think that app state is actually going to finish first. And that's one of the teams that I really want to take a look at. So, uh, App State, Josh, you, you mentioned they had the 11th best defense in the country last year. They returned nine starters, and they're just going to get better. And I'm a, a big fan of 
John Law, uh, their their linebacker, and as well as Eric Boggs. Both those guys are a great one-two punch at linebacker. And, you know, they have, you know, they're running a 3-4, like a lot of more and more schools that we're seeing are running this 3-4. And they've got some really great linebackers. They've got a veteran secondary, but the story is definitely on offense. Uh, senior running back Marcus Cox is back, and he already has over 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in his career. And so he's just going to pile onto those as well. A couple other good backs behind him and Jalen Moore and Terrence Upshaw. But, uh, you know, Cox is definitely the story in the backfield. His, uh, the guy who's going to be handing off the ball to him is Taylor Lamb, who uh, is a junior this year but set the school record with 31 touchdown passes last year and was a top-10 guy in terms of efficiency. So, um, but they, they're going to have to replace a lot of uh, receivers. Uh, they've only got um, uh, Shaden Meters coming back in terms of their top five pass catchers from last year. But a guy I'm interested to see, not just in the uh, pass receiving game, but also in uh, as a kick returner is uh, Jaquil Capel. He's a little jitterbug kind of guy out there. Get him in space and he is going to be able to move. So I'm, uh, you know, I think that this App State team has – uh, I, I have a, I think they have a very good chance to run the table in conference. Their biggest, uh, their biggest task is definitely going to be at Georgia Southern. Um, I think that, you know, they, they, they don't, like Josh mentioned, they don't play Arkansas State this year. So Georgia Southern is going to be sort of the make or break game for them. However, they've got, they're playing in Neyland Stadium week one of the year. And then, interestingly enough, um, Miami is coming up to Boone for a game week three. So I think that, like, they can definitely, uh, pick off uh, Mark Rick's squad there in Boone if they're not careful. Um, it's not a night game in Boone because then I would really be picking App State, but it's going to be a noon kickoff there on September 17th. But I, I still give App State a very good chance to pull the upset there against Miami. So um, so from there, after App State, I've got Georgia S- Southern coming mm-hmm. in second. Uh, the Red Wolves of Arkansas State coming in third. I think they're going to drop one or two league games. Um, Troy in fourth, and then New Georgia State in coming in fifth. And Georgia State is a team that uh, interests me as well because they have to uh, replace a very prolific, outgoing senior quarterback in Nick Arbuckle. Uh, they've got it's, it's become down to a two-man race uh, there in um, in Atlanta, and they've got Emir Scaife, who was last year's backup as a. Uh, as a sophomore and then uh, grad transfer Connor Manning, who's coming out from Utah, but he, you know, he barely played in his four years at Utah. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's, you know, it's not really going to matter that much who wins the quarterback battle because quite frankly, they've got some great receivers. And as long as they can get it into their hands, uh, they can, they can do big things. Uh, they have, uh, you know, they have two guys who were uh, closing in on a thousand yard, uh, receivers and um you know they were really you know chucking the ball all around the yard last year they weren't a big uh running program but uh you know they're bringing back all their backs if you know anyone who got a carry last year is back so they've got some more uh, they've got some you know more leadership and some some real veterans on that side of the ball um you know in uh, on terms of defense, last year they were a much improved unit from 2014, and um, they've got a 
a, a, a really up-and-coming coordinator working their defensive, and that's Jesse Minter. Um, he is, uh, you know, he turned that squad, which was last in the Sun Belt in 2014 to fourth in the league a year ago, and I think it's just going to be going up and up. Uh, one, one guy who they're going to be uh, really leaning heavy on is uh, <coughs> Dwayne Lawrence, who is a big 6'4", 270-pound defensive end. And he has well, – one of the great things about him is he is not afraid to get his nose dirty against the run. Um, he is actually just as uh, important as a, as, a, as a run stopper as he is a pass rusher from the defensive end position. Uh, they got a couple good cornerbacks, um, uh, including Shandon Sullivan and Jerome Smith. Um, at, back there, but they're going to need, they're going to be looking to fill some spots at safety. Now, Georgia state has, uh, has an interesting, has an interesting schedule this year because, um, you know, most of, you know, they're, 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 when they play Georgia Southern, that's, they get them at home, but most of their other tougher games are on the road, including at app state. Um, and they have to make the ungodly long trek to Idaho, to uh, Moscow to play Idaho, which is not a, which is not exactly the easiest place to find in the world. They're playing Wisconsin this year in the, um, in the, in the, the non-conference schedule, as well as at Air Force. They do get Ball State at home, and Ball State's, you know, uh, we'll take a look at the MAC next time on Legal Motion. But Ball State's a team that I think that they can definitely beat, especially in the Georgia Dome. So um, from there, I'll just finish out how I have things uh, looking from there. I've got UL Lafayette. Um, coming in six after Georgia State, followed by South Alabama, Idaho, New Mexico State, Texas State, and UL Monroe rounding out the bottom. So, Josh, who have you, you you have co-champs, and because they have no title game, you've got, you got uh, two champs there. So who I else? do. So, well, I feel like I'm the smartest person because I noticed that. I'm like, hang on, they don't play each other. And then I Googled it even before doing the show because I was like, I was like, hang on, did they add a conference title game yet? And they didn't. It's 2018. So I got to slip in under the wire to pick the two clearly best teams. Uh, so my other awards, though, is you have to love Matt Breda at Georgia Southern. He's just going to rush for a million, million yards. Um, and I, as good as Appy State's quarterback and running back duo is, I I think they'll kind of divide that vote by both putting up impressive numbers. Uh, but my defensive player of the year is John Law. And App State has a ton of really good linebackers. But uh, Law was already first team all Sun Belt a year ago. He's on an All-America watch list. He's on the Sun Belt Conference Defensive Student Athlete of the Year watch list, which is pretty cool. And his own program on his little bio on the App State um, uh, you know, sports page for uh, for the Mountaineers, labels him the heart and soul of the Appalachian State defense. So if uh, if we talk that highly of App State's defense being top 15 a year ago, and then he's their heart and soul, why would I not pick him? Uh, my coach of the year is, I know some other leagues do this, it's whenever a coach makes a debut season and they contend, they like to award that first-time coach. So as a result, since I really like Southern to finish just behind my co-champs, I'm going to go with Tyson Summers. Uh, my Sun Belt rookie slash newcomer of the year, I'm going to go with Arkansas State. I think Chad Wojtek, the, the pit transfer, 
I think he's going to win the job maybe. We'll see what happens. I know I know. Coach said that they're still figuring some things out with their quarterback position, but if he does win the job, there's so many weapons there, and there's such a good line for him to play behind. I think he can put up the numbers to win that newcomer slash rookie of the year award. In my first fired is I'm going to go with Dennis Franchione at Texas State. I think it's going to be a little bit what Larry Coker experienced a year ago at UTSA. I think it's going to be a resignation with some quotes around it. All right, Coach. Well, um, of course, you, you know who my champ is, Arkansas State. Um, my offensive player of the year is going to be Matt Linehan, quarterback out of Idaho. I think he's, uh, I think he's just going to put up the numbers. I, I don't know how. I don't know if that's really going to equate into a whole lot of wins, but he will do. He will put up a whole lot of numbers. Uh, defensive player of the year, Javon Rollin Jones, the defensive end out of Arkansas State. I think he's going to raise complete hell on uh, on the league. Uh, newcomer of the year, there's there's a few guys that 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 I like um, to uh, to contend for this title. Uh, two of them being transfers, and one of them being a freshman. So um, I'll kind of uh, I'll kind of be non-committal for for um, for the first time in our in our conference previews about the uh, newcomer of the year. So I'm, I'm gonna give it. Uh, a three-way tie between Cameron Eccles-Looper, the TCU transfer uh, wide receiver at Arkansas State to kind of fill that void for, at the number two spot. Um, I'm going to go with freshman running back Marcus Williams Jr. at, Arcan- at, at Appalachian State. Um, true freshman uh, could come in. He, he, he's going to start probably day one. He's going to make a big impact for, for the Mountaineers. And then, of course, uh, defensively, um, I have to give some love to the defense a little bit. Georgia Southern uh, bringing in uh, Yukime Elgiwe. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did not pronounce that right, but you know who's counting. Uh, he transferred from Florida State. Um, was a uh, was a big time recruit coming out of the Atlanta area. I believe it was Tucker High School, uh, if my memory serves me correct. So uh, he's going to be kind of that uh, impact rookie on the defensive side of the ball. And I say rookie, I'm just saying an impact newcomer to the conference um, along with uh, the other two I just mentioned on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Coach of the year, um, I agree with Josh's logic, so I'm going to go with Tyson Summers as well. I have them as my number two team, um, the closest thing to Arkansas State this year. Um, And I think Tyson Summers is just going to keep that momentum rolling because Georgia is a very talent-rich state. is very easy to recruit, and even if you get Georgia and Georgia Tech's leftovers, and you're the and you're the third dog in the race um, in that state, I think if you dominate the South Georgia area, I still think you're going to get way more than enough talent to compete in the Sun Belt, and uh, they're going to keep their rise going um, down there at Allen E. Paulson Stadium in Statesburg, Georgia. So, uh, Tyson Summers, Coach of the Year, uh, first to be fired. Uh, to be honest, I really have no idea. Um, but uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to get really fired from this league because I think a lot of these bigger teams are going to come to this league and start picking picking coaches out. So I think there's going to be a lot of movement, but it's going to be a lot of voluntary movement. All right. Well, uh, for me, I've got App State as the out-and-out winner of the league. And in that vein, I've also got uh, John Law, their stud linebacker that Josh talked about as the defensive player of the year, and their coach, Scott Satterfield, as the coach of the year. I foresee them finishing at 11-1 and one if their only loss opening week in Neyland Stadium 
by four points. And after that, uh, running the table, I think uh, Georgia Southern's Matt Breida is going to win the Offensive Player of the Year. He's just going to, you know, he's just going to amass the yards. And, you know, he, he's a real stud back there. Uh, the my uh, I mentioned my coach of the year. And my rookie of the year is going a little off the board here. Uh, Jalen Bowie uh, at uh, running back at South Alabama, there is a lot of reps to go around in the in in the backfield, and he is someone that you know for South as far as South Alabama goes, pretty highly recruited. So I expect him to be in the mix there, running back, get a lot of touches, and rack up the yards. Uh, first fired, um, I'm going to follow Josh on this one and go with Dennis Francione again. Uh, uh, you know, Josh, you mentioned the uh, situation with Larry Coker, and, and you know, I couldn't echo that you know any more perfectly myself. So I will just leave it there. So any final thoughts on Conference USA or the Sun Belt, Josh? Oh, I mean, I'm just really curious about Arkansas State's quarterback situation. You know, Coach, I think did a good job of breaking it down where. They were really good last year, and he's back, but they have a four-star prep, you know, back when he was being recruited, transferring in. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Well, here, here's what's going to help them out, Josh. I think scheme is going to help them out a lot because it's going to be a little bit more quarterback friendly with uh, with Buster coming in with the uh, with the spread scheme that made the, the transition easy for Brent Stock still to come in as a rookie starter. Um, so, you know, you, you look at that and you just got to say that, hey, maybe he's going to help these guys out with, uh, you know, a lot of, com- you know, a lot of run pass combinations, a lot of, a lot of quick screens, a lot of, a lot of fast game that's going to allow, allow them to get the ball out early, have simple reads and just kind of, and just kind of do their thing. So I think whoever wins the job is going to be pretty quarterback friendly, um, scheme wise. So I think that'll help. All right. All right. Well, so I think that's going to finish up for us today. So, um, Can I just say real quick, like toot our own horn, that I'm not sure any other football podcast is as exhaustive as we are. I doubt you'll find, you know, a show with the Sunbelt going this deep on, like, ESPN's podcast page. Uh, no, and, and I, I doubt that the complaints about ESPN's podcast are that they go too in depth with the Sun Belt. I take that as a compliment if we're going, uh, they're saying we're going too far into the Sun Belt because it means we're versatile. You know, we, we give everybody what they need. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I like it. I, I think we do a good job. And if you're not listening to us, you know, you should start. Well, I cannot, uh, you know, obviously I feel the same way. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll even have to dip down to a little uh, FCS. Uh, after. <laughs> and so, you know, I can talk Ivy football for days. The Missouri Valley Football Conference is a, <clears throat> as good as the SEC, and no one really realizes it. Listen, baby, Dartmouth is on a is, is on a rebirth. They're on a, a. All right. Yeah. Well, you know. With the, with that note, I am in next week for the Ohio <laughs> for the Ohio <laughs> Valley Conference preview. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of the coach Corey Burton in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from the Big Ten and counting, Josh Book in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor Matt Perkins in Los Angeles, California, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. OVC. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.